Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show back on the air this week in spite of what many might consider to be demotivating popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one and joining me in the studio slash kitchen is Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going, Tony? Uh, Good. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. If I consult my notes here, it says (laughs) it has been a while. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, the podcast feed. Um, the, the description of our last episode is Ing versus NZ review plus WTC final preview. <laughs> <laughs> Gives you a clue. What date was that? Uh, that was June 17, as they would say in America. So yeah, it's a very regular schedule that we're keeping up here, but it's... Uh... It is good to be back. It's tough though, isn't it, Tane? I mean, well, we'll talk about this more at the end, but you know, we've each been busy. I've been working hard on my memoirs. You had that uh, internship, that summer stint at GB News. So uh, <laughs> you're back now. You've yeah. got your your non-disclosure agreement signed and uh, and sorted. I'm and ready to let rip. Raring to go here. But yeah, good to be back. Lots of people out there, you know, will be just as excited as us. I'm sure that we're back. We've been inundated with an absolute handful of tweets, an absolute <laughs> smattering of tweets, demanding to know when we'd back on the, be back on the air. Uh, someone tweeted us uh, to ask when we'd be back. And I said, we're, reco- we're actually recording tomorrow. This was yesterday. We're actually recording tomorrow. Uh, and he said, good, looking forward to it. I always assume it's Tony's fault. <laughs> I mean... What do you say to that? Yeah, it's fair, probably. But yeah, I mean, we, we'll, we will have said it, I'm sure, at the end of the, the previous episode, back in June, that we'll be, we'll be bringing you regular updates throughout the summer. But, you know, this is, I'll say it again, I think this is the start of a uh, resurgence. <laughs> I think it's, it's very much tapping into the, the sort of MO that we've had for the last few years, which is record quite a lot of podcasts when not much cricket is happening. And then as soon as it starts to happen, we go to ground. <laughs> yeah. We get a bit kind of anxious, yeah. jittery. Well, yeah, you're right. But it's good to be, I mean, you say that, that what it does mean is that there's, a, there's a hell of a lot of cricket for us to talk about. No shortage. I mean, most of this episode is going to be me trying to remember what has happened over the last three or four months. Well, what happened? So the last time, as you say, the last time we recorded, we were reviewing England v New Zealand. So that was what, when uh, Alex Tudor hit that 99 (laughs) not out? Is that, do you remember that? Sounds about right. Yeah. So we've basically just got to catch up on everything that's happened since then. Well, it's perfect because I don't really have to go into any sort of deep dives about anything. It's just sort of light touch memory based (laughs) kind of, you know, speculative. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no one was going to disagree with me because no one, no one, you know, no one else can remember what happened either. Probably, so that's great. And then you know, otherwise we'll just dominate. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just. Um, otherwise, we'll just focus on what's happened in the last couple of days, I guess, or today, <laughs> yeah. for yeah, convenience. Well, so you can just couch it in incredibly vague terms because we've got so much to pack in that we'll just kind of zip through it. But yes, there has been some cricket. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be reviewing 
this English summer. England v India, do you remember that tone? Big test series there. We'll be going through that kind of session by session. Uh, we need to talk about the 100, if anyone can remember that. Um, and, but also, yeah, talk about what's been happening in the last few days, as you say, and uh, look ahead to some of the cricket coming up this winter. Will the ashes happen? That's one of the questions that we're going to try and get to the bottom of tonight. Because, I mean, we're, we're obviously in the best position to, uh, to answer that question. Yeah, definitively, I'd say. Do you want me to bring you up to date with my season? Uh, yes. Should we do that at the end? Uh, probably. It's pretty, a bit well, indulgent. <laughs> how, well, it won't take too long. Take, yeah. It won't take too long. Yeah. Um, no, we'll leave that to the end. Yeah, so, that, yeah, yeah. We'll whet the appetite. I'll bring you all the, uh, the facts and figures, the stats. I would like to know the stats. Okay, so let's start. Should we start with recent developments? Let's start with the last couple of days that you can remember and kind of work backwards. Uh, the big story this week tone is that England have withdrawn their men's and women's teams from their upcoming tour of Pakistan. Uh, The men's team were only slated to be there for a few days to play back-to-back T20s. Uh, This is kind of in in preparation for the T20 World Cup, which is coming up later in October. Uh, It would have been their first trip to Pakistan since 2005. This has Pakistan just are beginning to host internationals again after obviously a, a long spell uh, without following the terror attack on the Sri Lanka team in 2009. New Zealand also withdrew from their tour recently, citing heightened security concerns. So England have now pulled out two. But this has become controversial. I mean, the, the New Zealand withdrawal didn't pass without comment, but the, the England withdrawal has become much more controversial, I would say, because probably because they didn't explicitly mention security as being the reason for it. So the statement said uh, it was due to increasing concerns about traveling to the region, which is obviously implying security, but doesn't specifically mention it. Uh, but then but then they also added that they didn't want to add further pressure to, a, this is a quote, further pressure to a playing group who have already coped with a long period of operating in a restricted COVID environment. So the foreign office, the British foreign office are not at the moment, talking about an increase in security concerns in Pakistan. So this was not due to foreign office advice, government advice. This is a decision they've obviously taken independently. And they've cited COVID as being part of the reason. So this has not gone down well in Pakistan at all. Security, I guess, is one thing, Tone. But to blame it on COVID, I don't know. What do you think? It seems kind of, to me, it seems kind of tone deaf. At best, when you consider the lengths that Pakistan went to to tour England last year, you know, right in the early days of the pandemic, and you know, essentially that help out the ECB when they were desperate and the players put themselves through very strict uh, quarantine and bubbles and all that kind of stuff, you can understand why they're pretty cheesed off about this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, it, it, they've got a lot on their plate. The ECB, I'll give them that. Um, you know, issues of their own making, um, sort of pressures, whether they come from within or externally, kind of financially, cock-ups left, right and centre at the moment, it seems, uh, and bad decision-making or certainly misguided decision-making. Because it kind of, this is preamble, as is to defend the ECB. (laughs) In their defence, they've made a lot of cock-ups, got a lot of financial mismanagement, and they don't know what they're doing. I would say mismanagement, but you know, clearly the heat is on the ECB at the moment for mm. sure. Um, 
we'll come on to it, you know, on the pitch, whether England are in a good place or not at the moment, or whether English cricket is in a good place or not. And it's, you know, it's probably a very mixed picture. But yeah, it's certainly in this instance, it makes me think to a certain extent that they've sort of very much got a similar attitude to booking um, sort of excursions. That's not quite quite the right (laughs) word. But um, filling their diary kind of like I do, which is to sort of forget what I've committed to already, say yes to a lot of things, and then have to row back at some point. Because, I mean, it is... Partly, it's partly a, a, an outcome, you know, of the pandemic where, you know, the ECB more than anyone, it seems, have been trying to sort of squeeze in far too much. Mm. This idea of, you know, games and things or your series that have been either postponed or whatever, then having to be sort of squeezed in later down the piece, which just you know, is proving to be slightly absurd now. But yeah, the, the way this is whole, this whole episode has been handled is going to, and it comes off the back of obviously what happened um with the end of the India series in England, you know, there's just a lot of, there's going to be a lot of bitter taste and a lot of mouths at the moment. Mm. Um, and whether the ECB were right to do it, well, well, they, they almost certainly weren't at this stage. You know, as you said, New Zealand, they said that had, you know, had wind of a credible threat and, mm. You know, I'm no geopolitical expert in terms of, oh, really? you know, yeah, well, listen to my other podcast. Um, <laughs> but Yeah. You could, you'd obviously have sympathy with that, and if that's the case, you know they, they may not have had a, you know, may not have had much, um, much of a choice to make really there. But for England to say that, you know, COVID pressure, bubble pressure has forced the cancellation is is, is slightly absurd because, the, the, you know, they don't need to send any specific players. I'm sure they could have found a squad of players to go out there and play the matches. The implications for the women as well, who. Yeah, presumably would have been absolutely relishing, you know, that opportunity, and, and likewise for Pakistan's women, um, you yeah, know, they're just kind of that's sort of brushed aside as a sort of collateral damage of the decision. Yeah, it, it it's not a good episode, is it? Yeah, well, that's it. That's that, that's what makes it kind of hard to fathom, or makes that line about COVID very strange at best. Because yeah, they could have just sent a B team. We're talking about two T Twenty internationals back to back. Obviously, it's meant to be as warm up for the world cup but they're not going to play them at all now so yeah. so that like it it's not like they're going to play these somewhere else so yeah it, it makes no sense at all well, and, to, and, to say because yeah as you said they could have sent anyone they could have if they could have fulfilled their obligations by sending a b team you know it yeah it doesn't it doesn't add up no i agree and and you know to all intents and purposes like the greater sort of the greater reason behind this or, or, or these matches there's a sort of bigger story at play and that you know that is obviously you know the the significance of England going back to Pakistan and playing Mm. cricket there you know in in many ways they are or they would have been exhibitions or you know it's almost a sort of ceremonial Mm. kind of staging of of the games rather than like you know it's I don't know how much extra preparation there well yeah clearly a couple of T20s against a high quality T20 side in conditions that aren't going to be like dissimilar to what they'll face in the World Cup it wouldn't be bad preparation would it but um, yeah, the COVID thing seems obviously there are a lot of players who have, you know, for whatever reason, or, I mean, you know, we necessarily don't know the, um, the ins and outs, but you know, there are high profile players who are taking chunks of time out of the game at the moment, you know, Ben Stokes being one of them, but he's obviously got other things going on. Um, so I do, you know, I think if most people have got sympathy yeah, with the idea that, that. That, that, that players, you know, it's not the easiest juggling out they've got on at the moment but yeah they could have found more players to go I'm well sure. yeah i would have gone this is <laughs> well actually, <laughs> actually i got quite a lot on. Yeah. <laughs> i'm double booked already that week 
Um, yeah, you've you've got to have sympathy. Like clearly, the there is too, there is too much cricket. There's far too much international cricket. There's far too much cricket in general with the franchise leagues and everything. So, and with the current circumstances, it is no surprise if you know it. It clearly is the case, and it's completely understandable that a lot of players are feeling burnt out and like they don't want to keep putting themselves through this and keep living in bubbles and all of that. Totally get that, but they didn't have to send their strongest team. They didn't have to send the guys who will be going through the bubble to to do the T20 World Cup. They could have sent anybody. I'm sure there are loads of players who would have who would have signed up um to go and, and get some a couple of England caps. So it is strange and it, it makes me think that it's I, I, initially I thought this this must just be a comms mistake. They must have just said the wrong thing here. Like as in it's the the comms department have got this wrong. They thought, okay, well, like just to add some extra um, ballast to what we're saying, we'll put this in the mix as well. And that's just like whether an individual in the comms department has made a mistake or strategically they got the comms wrong. That's what I thought. But but if that is the case, they've not really tried to rectify that. They've not sort of come out and said, look, that was, no, we didn't mean that. Um, they yes, yeah, so they've not done a good job of remedying that. If that's the case, I mean, it, it is a tricky one because obviously any any question of security, you have to take very seriously and it has to be dealt with sensitively and, and we are not qualified to judge so for the two of us to sit here and say no, they absolutely should go to Pakistan you know that threat is not credible you know obviously like we don't know you have to just listen to the security experts but it seems that the security experts at least at the foreign office are not saying that they shouldn't go to Pakistan at the moment no and I think the British ambassador to, uh, well, to the, Pakistan yeah, high commissioner basically yeah the high commissioner yeah released a video didn't he saying like you know this is not our call. Looking forward to getting some cricket on at some point, effectively, and 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 fairly, uh, yeah. you know, um, fairly strong terms. So, again, as you say, we, we're just we're we're just not qualified to to, to no. make those kind of decisions. And, and and clearly, you know, off the back of what happened with New Zealand, you know, the, this as I said, I'm no geopolitical expert, but I am aware that there's been you know a fairly significant development in that region you know, not that long ago. And, and it's sort of, again, there are much more important consequences to that, but mm. it is, it's unfortunate timing that, you know, Pakistan have kind of, yeah, have waited this long to, 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 yeah, to get mm. back to this situation where teams were ready to go. And then you wonder, I, I, I think there's talk about them rearranging these games again, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously everyone needs to be incredibly cautious and the cautious approach is right. And not least because of, of recent developments and you know what's so what makes it so difficult here is that it was a cricket team that was targeted in 2009 so it's not it's not just that there that there's a terrorist threat but it's that there was an in- terrible incident where a cricket team was targeted and people were killed so yes of course everybody needs to be incredibly careful and be absolutely convinced that it is safe so if they aren't convinced that it's safe, then it is right to pull out. But it seems that no one has said that they sh- that they should. I suspect what's happened here is that they've just looked at it and thought, look, it's only two T20s over a two days. It's just not worth it. You know, that there is New Zealand have pulled out. There's this threat to the New Zealand team. Um, so there's some security concerns. The players are knackered. The players are probably not going to, they don't really want to go it's a such a short tour it's not worth it let's just pull out and then they've got they've had this kind of mangled comms 
Um, but they've obviously, like, if that is what happened and they just haven't thought through the fact that the, the it's such a, as you say, such a significant moment that they were going to be going to back, back to Pakistan and what it means to Pakistan. And they're just, they're not winning many friends with that, I don't think, with this approach. Whether it was right or wrong, the 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 way it's been communicated means they they have definitely alienated Pakistan, the Pakistan cricket board, Pakistan supporters, you know, who were such a friend of, of the ECB last year. And it just seems a shame, really. Yeah, and I think there's an element of in this situation where, you know, I think people are less, they're going to be less sympathetic to anything the ECB does right at the moment because because the, the, the top brass at the ECB just aren't covering themselves in a lot of glory or haven't done now. There's sort of a, a real chain of events and, you know, I think people are, will assume the worst or assume that either it's been, it's just a, an idiotic decision or, or it's, um, you know, there's a sort of, there's a... Ulterior mode. Yeah, exactly. A more kind of cynical yeah. approach being taken. Well, yeah, if Tom Harrison comes out, you know, if Tom Harrison opens his mouth, he's just like, okay, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> hang on, I've, I've got a question for you, Tim, but I'm just going to take my jumper off. I don't blame you. It does get hot. That's better. Well, yeah, this is my question. And, you know, I'm, again, you're definitely the right person to ask this because <laughs> you, you will have the answer. Will the ashes happen? <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone know? I don't think anyone knows right now. Well, no. some people must have an inkling, but... Um, you, there's a lot of motorbikes. Are, are you hearing yeah, the Yeah, not too bad. No. Okay. You'll edit it, though, and it'll, yeah. <laughs> it's actually it'll be like, ridiculous. It'll be, you'll be like talking and just say like... <laughs> it's like bloody Monza or something. Yeah. Well, don't get me started on that. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll leave that for next week. We don't want to you put everyone off again. I'd be so annoyed if yeah. I left it. Um, what's going on? Yeah, Do ashes. Do you think the ashes will happen? <sighs> yes, I think they will. Um, There's obviously I, doubt because of Australia's very tight yeah. COVID restrictions and you know, large parts of Australia still being in lockdown and England players, apparently a number of England players have expressed reservations about going on the basis largely that their families will not be allowed to go with them. Yeah. No, look what the situation in Australia seems, it does seem slightly baffling to us now here on this side of the world, doesn't it? Because, you know, things are, and rightly or wrongly, some people will feel that it's, it's gone too quick. I don't know. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You know, there, there's, it's, it's not, it's not unanimous kind of feeling over, over this way, but it doesn't seem too far off at the moment that, uh, you know, everyone's on the kind of train back to normality. Whereas, you know, you read, you read the stories about, yeah, about the situation in Australia, the, the continuing lockdowns, mm. the, the kind of the aggro on the streets in, in, you know, certain parts in Melbourne. Um, yeah, it's funny. It was reading about Perth, uh, a couple of weeks ago and they're then basically saying that they they want to stay separate you know sort of sealed off from the rest of australia because they're living sort of fairly normally except for the travel mm. it's kind of where we were in guernsey anyway like last summer isn't it it's kind of, which is quite strange really well no i mean there's definitely a parallel between guernsey and australia and new zealand i suppose in that you know yeah we here in guernsey pursued that zero covid strategy as well but the big difference is just that that it was it had to be it could only ever be zero covid until vaccination and in guernsey everyone got vaccinated and yeah. we've got the highest rate of vaccination in the world pretty much which meant that we were able to open up and go back to normal but in australia and understandably because they felt safe because there was no covid there a lot of people didn't get vaccinated so i'm explaining this to you like <laughs> <laughs> like you've not been reading the same 
tweets as I have, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's that's what. But if Guern- if people in Guernsey had felt the same and thought, no, nah, why do I need to get vaccinated because there's no COVID here? Then we would be in the same situation now. Situation now that Australia. Yeah. So I, I think in terms of the situation on the ground and whether you know the games can actually be be got on and there's going to be crowds, or whatever. I don't know. That's kind of one issue in terms of you know the issue of players not wanting to go because of families. Again, I think just send send whatever. 20 players mm. or 15 players um that are happy to go um i don't the games are going to be the games should happen whatever you know you, there's no no player has got a god-given right to play for england yeah um and that place be protected uh whatever they kind of want to do in their family life or, or however they feel about spending time with their family you know n- no one is going to criticize anyone for not wanting to be apart from their family for x number of months or weeks or whatever it is um but yeah, I just think get it, get whatever you know. Whoever wants to go, you pick the best players, and then then mm. off you go. You know the matches are happening regardless, and that's just the you know I, I, any other situation I think would be would be a ludicrous um, end result. I suppose the argument might be okay. Well, why not postpone it? Because you know vaccination is increasing in Australia, and you would think that this time next year. It will be a very different situation, but then but, you just get into the issue of you're just knocking a, a massive five test series mm-hmm. down the road, and then trying to squeeze it in amongst everything else that's going to be happening mm-hmm. next year. I, I, it's not realistic. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're already seeing issues. You know, the fact that the IPL has come back, mm. and, and you know, I get that. I'm, perhaps I'll come on to this in a moment. With you know, um, but I, I, you know, I get the commercial pressures, but. At some point, and this is the part. This is a massive issue across sport at the moment. Is that those commercial pressures are just having way too much influence on? I mean, I maybe, maybe I sound really naive because it's been that case for obviously for for years and years. But mm-hmm. those commercial pressures are, are just dictate. They dictate far too much of of what goes on. Mm. Um, well, to an extent that's becoming slightly joyless. But oh, I, I, yeah, exactly. You know, I you know, read Johnny Lou's article this week just about. The, and, and front of the show front of the show and, and and you know and sort of encapsulated it quite nicely in, in a few hundred words and it's something that i've definitely felt for a while it's just that it, cricket's just very difficult to keep track of at the moment mm. or, or just to make any sense of it's all it it there's so much of it that it sort of seems fairly it seems slightly pointless <laughs> yeah which is a bit of a shame but the, you know his point was that actually finals you know the last finals day was a kind of mm. you know a sort of anchor in the sand or whatever you would say um, that you can sort of that's been a bit consistent and you can kind of you know it, it's a, a understandable product that you arrive you know and you know what you're going to get and it's and it's going to be good and it that it just makes a bit of sense because at the moment yeah everything just is like washing by in a sort of um yeah kind of muddled mm. flow of controversies and cancellations and postponements and rearrangements and all this kind of stuff well there's an important point though which is that there was too much cricket already mm. before COVID. There was way too much cricket, and they were, and the hundred was going to be shoehorned in, and so, so. But then, when you add in the COVID issues, it's just become kind of unmanageable and unsustainable. And yeah, I mean, I I could not care less about the IPL, <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, the IPL being on this week. I just absolutely could not care less, and like that. I know, like, people will call me a, you know, uh, an old fuddy-duddy and a, a, a killjoy. I don't know, what's, what would you, <laughs> like, how would you describe I, I like it? That you, just, you left a bit of a pause there 
or it was a convenient pause where listeners can just, you know, <laughs> jump in with their own, yeah. <laughs> their own, their own four-letter <laughs> word. Uh, four-letter word of their choice. Yeah. Um, but sure, you know, so people might say, okay, have a, there's some sort of agenda, conscious or unconscious, against the IPL. But surely, someone like me who loves cricket to the point that I do a podcast about it, to just not care in the slightest about the IPL, like surely, I don't know, it just can't. I, I know I'm not alone, is my point. There might, there's just... Like, I, I don't normally care about the IPL, really, but I will watch it and keep an eye on what's going on. But I just, it, as you say, it just feels kind of pointless. It feels like they're fulfilling contractual obligations. Yeah, which, rather which than they it, are. Rather than it being an actual sporting event that matters and means something. No, I have less issue with the IPL than you do, I think, in that sense. Generally. Yeah, yeah. because, but the issue, you, 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 you know, the issue I do have is that you know that, as successful uh, as the IPL has been and is, that the BCCI aren't satisfied and they'll, mm. they'll you know, the, the continual demand for more and bigger and better and brasher is like a relentless, isn't it? Mm. And, it and we're seeing it in all sports, you know, it, it, well, most, well, most sports, certainly the biggest global sports are all, I think, bowing into this like constant demand for, for more and growth and, more money and more revenue you know football football's going to eat itself if it hadn't it probably has already but you know mm. all this talk of biennial world cups and the rest of it the european super league you know it's just not no one's satisfied and we were we, you know we were talking about it before you know you were watching the, the documentary about the premier league Fever in its early pitch years and it, BBC. i mean it's interesting to think that you know people would have been saying that then that like oh we don't need this the, you know the, this constant demand you know this idea that what we had isn't enough well, they, yeah, they were, and that's part of the documentary. Yeah, exactly. This is, for anyone who's not seen, there's a documentary on BBC called Fever Pitch about the rise of the Premier League in the 90s. And there's a, there's a clip in that that's in the kind of intro to the show of a fan clearly in like 1995 or something outside Old, Old Trafford going, this club's turned into a theme park, all anyone cares about is money. So like clearly, yeah, yeah people... This has always been time, going that, on. That was the thing of the Premier League was that it was about the money and it was, you know, Pete, there a lot of people were very uh, resistant to it at the time for that reason. But but I think you but also it's I on guess a different you, scale to now. Yeah, you probably go back further though, or you, you almost certainly go back further to the origins of these sports. And, and as soon as any kind of professionalism was was mm. introduced, that people would have been saying, "Well, you know, it's it's against the spirit, or it's ruining whatever." Yeah. The tale as old as time. Yeah, exactly. Way, maybe maybe we're just overly nostalgic about it. But maybe the the you know the Premier League of the sort of mid nineties was the sweet spot where it, you mm. know it was the balance between. It was the balance between, you know, money, professionalism, the origin, you know, the sort of true nature of the sport. And it created a great thing. Has it gone too far now? I don't know. Maybe in, maybe in 100 years, people will be like, oh, those, you know, we'll have a, everything will be absolutely golden and rosy yeah. in 20 years. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, the point being that there's too much cricket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, it could be, you know, nostalgia is obviously a big, big factor yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just loving that documentary so much because it, it just couldn't be more up my street. It's just tapping into everything I love, you know, Premier League football in the 90s. You know, just, just say the name Tony Yeboah to me and I just start weeping. Yeah. <laughs> Andre Kanchelskis, these kind of names. And, and, I, and to a large extent, I have just turned into that cricket commentator that I hated as a kid. You know, Ian Botham or whoever who would just say, oh, this isn't as good as it was in the 70s you know you think this is good you should have seen or like boycott going you think this is good you should have seen uh 
Peter May batting at Lords in 1965. I'd be like, get over it, Granddad. It's you know, <laughs> it's 1998. Come on, get with the tide. So I have sort of become that guy, but. I do think that Premier League football was better in the 90s <laughs> and I think that, that it is now. And I also think that for similar reasons, cricket, as you say, is beginning to eat itself. And it's, I mean... What I would proffer in counter to that, having, having said what I've said, and it, but definitely thinking, though, that football, for all the extra professionalism and money and everything, is, not, is no more entertaining now than it was when we, got in, when we started watching it in, mm-hmm. you know in the mid-90s, in the late-90s, in the early 2000s. Yeah. Because, you know, it is almost like exponential. When it, Peter Beagree was banging the golden. Oh, exactly. <laughs> what I would say about cricket, I suppose, is that, you know, you, you only have to go back to 2019 when we had probably in the space of a month, the, the, probably the two best or two of the top five things that have ever happened. Yeah, that's like, Not just yeah. in cricket, you know, probably two of the top <laughs> three things that have ever happened to cricket. Um, yeah. or, or, you know... Th- <sighs> Moon landing, yeah. Edgebaston 2005, the World Cup and Headingley. Yeah, That's, exactly. Those are the four things. I don't know what would be five. Yeah, so it's, I know what <laughs> so, you mean. So I, I do wonder if, sorry, yeah, just for both of us, I do wonder if there's just a bit of, of fatigue at the current situation. I think, it's yeah. maybe, maybe you don't want to be too too down because, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that, the, you know, the issues of the pandemic will, mm. will, you know, will just slowly fall away, if not as quickly as we'd hope. Um, and then, uh, and then maybe the, it, it, I think it's just the fact that you know you've just you look around at the, the leadership in cricket, not just in England but globally, and you just you just wonder is it, you know is everyone in it for the right reasons? Yeah. And, well, I agree with that, but you're right. The, the, the pandemic does have a big part to play here, and we are still in it. And yeah, maybe in a few years' time, we'll look back and think, okay, yeah, that was a weird couple of years in cricket. And if if the Ashes does go ahead, and if it's you know, if England send a reasonable team, and if it's really exciting, I will be as into it as I ever was. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just things like the IPL and the hundred just leave me very, very cold. Um, well, let's talk about the hundred, shall we? Yeah, Is we that could. Next I mean, on your agenda, well, or no, got, I was going to say about England India, but we could jump into the hundred as we've kind of landed here. Or is that, I mean, is that going to be, is that, is that too long a streak of negativity from me if we talk about, <laughs> if we talk about 100 now? Uh, on a positive note, the ashes are going to happen. That's what you've decreed. Well, they should happen. Yeah, they should happen. That's not the same thing. <laughs> it's a very politician's answer from, you know. Mm. Yeah, true. Um, or at least I didn't ask, are the ashes going to happen? And you didn't like pivot to talk about leveling up or something. <laughs> Hang on, I just had a. I'm just gonna. I just had a realization. What's the name of the guy that does the um, the politicians like behind the scenes videos where he's like in the air? We've just taken a little break there while Tony tried to establish whether a man he almost got into a fight with at the cricket was or wasn't in the internet's Michael Spicer. 
Um, when you, I mean, get onto a fight or get into a fight is, is strong. I mean, that's what, that's what you said. All I have to go on is what you just said. I was ready to get into a fight. <laughs> right. You were spoiling for a fight. I, mean, I, don't, I just don't like to be. I, I don't like to be accused of things that I've not done. That certainly annoys me. You know. Yeah. If you yeah. accuse me of falling asleep when I haven't. Yeah. Livid. Um, are we talking about the hundred now? We can well, we can go into the hundred. Yeah. So I went. Yeah, I went to a hundred game with you London correspondent. You jabbed him in the chest and said, "Listen, those, <laughs> I did those, not fall asleep. those advice and next door videos <laughs> are not funny. Absolute shit. Liz Truss is a national hero. Yeah. I know. Is yeah. So basically, went to the hundred with London correspondent Gordon McRae mm. uh, and friend of the show Ollie Farmond. Yeah, <laughs> sat down. I think we were sat. I mean, McRae had booked the tickets. So naturally, but seats kind of right at the back of the bottom tier. So you had a very sort of thin cinematic kind of right. view, view of the action. That no, it wasn't that bad. A letterbox. Yeah, view. exactly. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, a guy kept the guy in front of me just kept turning around and accusing me of kneeing him in the back. Right now, without getting into too much detail or boring you with the uh, what was happening, and I, this is how I explained it to him. So I'm basically getting my side of the story first. Yeah. The, the seats at the Oval, very flexible, very bendy. Or certainly the one he was in was quite bendy. And when he was moving backwards, the seat was bending onto my knee. Right. Um, which I tried to tell him. Yeah. Uh, I told him once. I tried to tell him <laughs> as his face was bending onto your fist. <laughs> as I was pouring a pint of beer <laughs> over him. Um, yeah, I tried to tell him once. And he, he's, yeah, he, was, he wasn't very happy with that explanation. Which was, by the way, totally factually mm. accurate. Um, so he piped up again later in the match. Uh, I was absolutely livid. But, I mean, one thing you don't do, though, is, is pick on the person sat behind you at a sporting event because then, you know, then the whole time... I was, like, chuntering away for the rest. It ruined the second half of the match for me. I was just chuntering away the whole time. Well, at him? Yeah, I just couldn't... I was bristling. <laughs> um, You're going, Matt Hancock deserves your respect. Well, yeah. <laughs> This is the thing I thought the hundred would be, you know, it's sort of like families, fun and games, you know, good atmosphere. You don't expect to be accused of, of uh, something you haven't done. Of kneeing someone. And then almost, yeah, almost feeling like you need to, you need to get violent. You don't expect to be accused of a knee in the back. Yeah, exactly. Didn't from want to... one of uh, Twitter's biggest names. Exactly. Monday night at the Oval, big tear up. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. And then you uh, had a little altercation with Josh Berry after that, <laughs> did you? The uh, Conservative Party advisor. Yeah. Yeah, threw him down the stairs. They were, they were all gang up on you. What's that? What's the name of that? Megan something? Oh, God. Not the, 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 <laughs> the lip sync person. Yeah. God. Uh, it was a dark year, wasn't it, last year? <laughs> <laughs> what passes entertainment? You got into a furious row with that Megan lip sync woman. <laughs> and then that guy who does the your aunt at the nhs clap video came and gave oh, I you seen a, that <laughs> came, came, <laughs> gave me a sarcastic clap yeah, exactly um right so but well, hang on were you kneeing him in the back no oh see not would dream of it you do get very angry you came around for brunch the other day <laughs> and you, you'd said i'd invited you around for brunch with some other people and you had said that, you know, you was, I'd said, come around at 10.30. You were like, yeah, we're not going to come to eat because we're going out for lunch, but we'll just pop in for a bit, have a cup of tea. And you turned off about 11.15. And in front of the show, Patrick, you came in and he went, oh, you're a bit late. And you just instantly, <laughs> absolutely furious. Because <laughs> you walked in and we were just sat, quite a few of us having a nice brunch. We're like, hey, Tony. And he went, oh, you're a bit late. And, he went, and you just went, I am not late. I said I'd be... 
and not having lunch and I'd drop in whenever. It was just a drop in whenever kind of thing. And then, and then you were like, anyway, Elena, how are you? Nice to see you. <laughs> I think, you know, I think you should be able to, you know, if you're accused of something mm. that you're not, you know, you're not guilty of, I think you should be able to respond in strong terms. Respond in kind. Um, then anyway. I'm sure Michael Spicer is a very nice guy, uh, if it was him. But only because I don't want him to, you know, dig into us on Twitter. Yeah, uh, to your room next door but, of the world. Yeah, maybe yeah, exactly. Maybe he's having a, you know, he might have been having a bad day. He might have just watched one too many political videos and was a bit so a bit tetchy um but anyway i'm just imagining the last 30 seconds of this but intercut with him going stop talking (laughs) your mouth is still making sounds i'm sorry that tony was kneeing you in the back right anyway the hundred i mean with apologies to listeners that this is going to be quite a long string of negativity from me um we'll talk about england and india in a bit but yeah obviously this is a while ago now the hundred but you know everyone's still talking about it aren't they everyone's still reliving those glorious memories and dreaming of hundreds to come that's that's all anyone's uh thinking about um i have been skeptical about hundred i think that would be something of an understatement so let's maybe go to you first i'll share my thoughts in a moment spoiler alert if you're looking for a kind of road to damascus moment it's not it's not going to happen but um what about you so you went to a game tell us about your experience at the game and um, what did you think of the hundred? Uh, so there was this guy sat in front of me. Yeah. Um, uh, look, it was it was it was enjoyable. Company was good. Um, the match was okay. Can I remember he played? Oval played, obviously. Yeah. It was at the Oval against Welsh Fire. Mm. I can't remember. I can't remember a huge amount about who did what because it wasn't a particularly exciting match. Um. They stopped serving beer quite soon after the interval, which was annoying. Um, and then, yeah, so the, the bars closed like 50 minutes into with about 80 balls to go in the second innings. Now, you know me, like I do, you know, I like to have a little bit of refreshment, uh, not necessarily kind of Holly's levels. Yeah. We need um, to get tanked up before you go into a fight. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, this is probably, probably for the best that I didn't have that many pints. But, um, but yeah, and then there was a write. Gordon sent me a write up on. I think possibly like a, a South London blog. Uh, you know, the day after, basically, sort of someone going on a bit of excursion, seeing what the hundred is all about, and described it as a booze fest. I it was a bit of a disappointing booze fest because, uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, it was cricket. I, I didn't really notice. Uh, you know, if you close your eyes, it didn't feel that different. Mm. Um, I was a middling. I think there's there's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot to. <sighs> lot to build on potentially i think it's one of those things where the the stuff that was going to be good was good and the the stuff that you know the the issues that people have with it haven't gone away and won't and will be possibly irreversible if the hundred sticks around on you know if it if it sort of if things persist on the same road so I don't know whether we actually learn, you know if you want that sort of classic to what do we learn i don't know if we necessarily learned a huge amount um but you know when you spend that much money on an event it like it, you know you, you sort of can't fail the you know the the women's aspect i think was huge for sure um there are lots of there are a lot quite a few names you know now that i didn't really know a huge amount about before but you know who you now winning the play or whatever or not seeing but you know when you see a, a, a 
something pop up on Twitter, I'm sort of slightly probably more likely to look at it now than than before. Um, well, in the women's yeah, on the side, women's side of yeah. things, I think yeah, you know, there's no doubt that, that you know that again, if things go carry on down that road, it will be a huge thing. But then the, the, you can't really compare the men's and the women's game in this sense because you're effectively, if the hundred is a success, you're sort of moving from 18 counties to to eight franchises. Whereas in the women's side of things, you're, you're you know you're, you're you're coming from a bit of a changeable situation, obviously like the mm. Super League teams. But you you, you know it, the road is obviously there's going to be less there's much less resistance on that side of things. So again, you know that was going to be a success. But I think. You know, I think that's definitely to be celebrated. I think overall, all the gimmicks I, I can take in. Well, I was going to say I can take and leave. I, I'd rather leave. Like, I just, I don't know. I just find it all quite boring. Like, you know, like the DJ in the stadium, all the, the bands and yeah. Ebony Rainford Bread drumming. It's just like, I just don't like. Is she's, this she's, the- I, I really like her, but I just not, I don't care. I don't want, I don't really care if you can play an instrument slightly. Well, uh, yeah, and is this the best we can do? Is yeah, exactly. This, is that the it's best like, you've got? That's what you would have come up with in 1995, yeah. isn't it? It's like, oh, let's get you know, let's get someone dressed as a hot dog to run around and throw t-shirts into the stand. It's, you know, it's just like the thing that's good is cricket and good cricket, and there was some of that. So that's the, you know all the rest of it. I don't know. I don't, yeah, do we need to pander to people? I don't. You know, maybe we were different as kids. You know, I don't. I think neither of us were that bothered about. What, you know, would have been that bothered about like those kind of things. We'd have just been interested in what's going on in the middle. But yeah, well, I think the, what you said just before is is absolutely right. That you said it's fine, it's cricket, and it, that's it. It is cricket. So in a way, like it couldn't completely fail because it is still cricket, and I like cricket, and people like cricket, and you know, so it was fine. It was watchable enough. Well, apart from yeah, apart from all those extra gimmicks, the the graphics it genuinely astonishing to me how bad the graphic, the on screen graphics yeah. were. Couldn't believe it, <laughs> like they're just appallingly bad, and they didn't change them throughout. I just yeah, remarkable. Hopefully that. Ch- I mean, I would. You'd have to say it's not a long tournament. If they change them midway through, would they ever? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. If they haven't just, changed for next year, then yeah. something's gone horribly wrong. Maybe. And I, I just no, the, stu- the bars like going yeah. down either side is just just stupid. It, yeah. it looks naff um, and makes it harder to see what's going on. I just I just couldn't understand it. But anyway, on the whole, watchable. But what I still don't understand is how this is an improvement on T Twenty. I just don't see what's better about it all the good stuff is the same stuff you'd get in a t20 like the big hitting the sixes the fours you know the cricket the changes to the rules and the format and making 100 balls for me add nothing and just make it more complicated if anything and mean as well that i can't take it seriously so i do like i know they were happy with the numbers there's some some sifting through those numbers still to be done but i know the ecb are certainly talking that they, they they've got a very kind of positive line about the numbers um and i know anecdotally that people watched it who don't normally watch cricket so by those measures it kind of it is a success um but i slightly well i but i resent the fact that they're talking it up as such a success as though it is it's the hundred has achieved the success because i think they would have had the same success at the very least if they'd done it with the t20 competition there was a very good article by uh Athers, Michael Atherton, about this. I made a really good analogy at the beginning 
this was in the Times, that, uh, you know, if you imagine a, a bookseller has two books and one he puts on the, you know, on the, on the counter or in the shop window and he does a big kind of marketing push and everyone who comes in the shop, he says, do you want to buy this book? <laughs> you know, it's simplifying it, but something along those lines. And the other book he kind of hides in the back um, buries it deep in the kind of dustiest corner on a on a on a, on a dark uh, shelf, and then at the you know at the end of the month he tots up how many of each uh, he sold and goes well brilliant you know and it's like <laughs> yeah okay but clearly the you know there's an obvious difference here and it, it's yeah it it is it's the marketing I think is the success and they've as you say they've put in so much money that in some respects it couldn't fail but I think it it could be even bigger if you brought cricket fans along with you. And it's, it's clearly some cricket fans are happy to go along for the ride, but there's a lot, including me who aren't. And I, so I feel like I ought to be happy seeing people enjoying cricket, but somehow I'm not because it isn't the cricket that I love. So, I mean, and so, but then if it, if it proves to be a gateway, then great. Like I could say, okay, I don't want to watch this, but that's fine. You know, I'll leave that for other people. I still, I still have test cricket and all the stuff that I want to watch. And actually, if the hundred is bringing people from that to test cricket, then fantastic. And I, then you know, then that's that is a success. Then, but there's not much sign of that happening. Like there's for all the marketing that they're doing, there's no kind of synergy in the marketing. They're not trying to. They, at no point were they were the franchise accounts tweeting. Oh, you know, if you love. Uh, if you love Joe Root's performance the other night, why not watch him in the test match this week? They're just not doing that. It, they are kind of siloed off still. And then you, they, they got in trouble because the, the official 100 account tweeted um, a couple of days afterwards, tweeted a, a, a GIF of one of the players on the side. Have you heard of GIFs? GIF. <laughs> <laughs> on the sidelines, kind of twizzling a helmet around, looking kind of bored, looking like he's kind of killing time and saying, you know, when you're when you're waiting for the for the hundred to start again and you know they, there was a bit of a pile on there because people saying well surely you should be saying if you loved the hundred then go and watch all this other cricket there's no as we talk about there's no shortage of cricket and that they aren't doing that so yeah i'm not the target audience like they're not after me uh so in a sense my opinion doesn't matter and in a way you know good luck to them but as I say, I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a lot of people out there who feel the same as me and it just seems slightly self-defeating that they're not making at least some effort to bring us along. And I, as I say, I just think it would be better if it was T20. I don't see how the 100 thing adds anything at all. Yeah, no, I completely agree with all of that. I mean... Sorry, that was a very long rant. <laughs> but... no, but it's, yeah, no, it's tough to disagree with any of that. I think things happen which reflected well on it you know they they got they got the some of the moments they were looking for they got a couple of players who who stepped up and and really shone um you know Liam Livingston obviously Mm. was the absolute standout and and fair play like that it was you know watching him set about I mean I didn't watch I wouldn't I wouldn't like to put a number on the percentage of matches I watched live Mm. I followed I, I tried to watch as many clips as I could on Twitter and I watched a few games live including the final and, you know, Livingston walking out in the final and, and, and setting about things was, was to be fair, pretty exciting. And, um, you know, he's obviously a player yeah. who has, you know, who arrived or who 
took his moment, you know, shone he's, at the right moment. He's had a good summer, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were, other, there were other fun moments, you know, to hear getting his hat trick mm. and, you know, obviously... I did see that live, actually. Yeah, right. And, you know, obviously his, his exuberance is, like, built for that, isn't it? Um, there was the Parkinson wicket, which was which was pretty astonishing. You know, it was the, they got a good montage out of it at the end, which is probably was probably like their main yeah. <laughs> sort of what they were doing it for for the gram for the um, gifs. Yeah, it is. It, you know, there was there was lots to enjoy, but at what expense? Really, is, mm. is the is the at what of, cost? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, like, but what, at what yeah, cost? What is English? What is domestic English cricket going to look like in five years or in ten years as as a result of the hundred and you know whatever happens I, I don't know we, we talk about it a lot but you know scheduling wise like would it have just been better to yeah invest in the blast you know had the first you know the first stages of the blast um happening you know in the background as it were and then having some sort of like 10 day or two week competition the latter stage of the blast all on bbc i don't you know would that have been better i don't know yeah well, that's not about yeah, it. Make, make an event of it. So you 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 know you're involving everyone. Not everyone makes it to the finale and, and is televised. But you know you then share the money out. Obviously, well, so yeah, no I feel kind of... like I feel like they they could have done something with the blast, which has yeah. not been marketed very well in the past. And then the fact it's still going on, the, the blast continues. You know, it 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 is a, it's still a mess. I think. Um, I mean, yeah. Who knows? I mean, next summer there may well be a lot more international stars in the hundred than there was this time. I'm sure, you know, the ECB are not going to let it go. So over time, it will just become a fixture of the calendar. Maybe one day I'll relent and, you know, uh, and and get a little bit more into it. But yeah, it did. It did very little for me this summer, I have to say. Apologies to people out there who who did enjoy it and and wish that we'd be a bit more, uh, maybe a bit bit more open-minded. I don't know, but it just wasn't, yeah, wasn't for me. Not for me, Clive. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We should probably move on because we've got quite a bit still to discuss and uh, and the, the clock is ticking. Let's talk about some test cricket, that thing that we actually love, uh, because England have played a fair bit of it. We did talk about their defeat to New Zealand earlier in the summer on the previous episode, but since then they've played four, not five, four tests against India. India 2-1 up in a series that now is it's kind of uncertain what the outcome is going to be is that it uh will the will the series be completed next summer what what kind of summer have england had tone would you say in test cricket 
Obviously well, lost to New Zealand. Possibly lost to India. Yeah. I mean, statistically, you know, the worst for, what is it, like 20 years, 21 years, 1999. Mm. To uh, go with the fact they lost in India earlier in the year as well. So, yeah, the, this year so far is not going very not well. Not a great year. Anecdotally speaking, because that's now what I'm re- relying on rather than actual hard mm. facts and memory. Sort of a yeah, woolly sense of what happened. Um, I come out of it feeling okay, like, you know, trepidatious about the ashes, if that's the right word. Yeah, a lot of things to, to, to improve on, but some things to enjoy. You know, again, I, I don't, I think the perception of English cricket or certainly English test cricket is somewhat coloured in a lot of people's minds by what else is happening off the field and the, the, the ECB um, kind of handling of various things. And obviously, you know, people will, jo- people will join a lot of dots and maybe it's too early to say, but, you know, the, like the idea that, um, you know, Red Bull cricket has been kind of sidelined and that the, the, all the priorities have been white ball cricket. And, and, you know, some of the, some of the theories and the, the, uh, the trends might be, might be spot on. I, don't, I, I think possibly it's too early to say or, or maybe it's inconclusive in certain aspects of things. But at the end of the day, you know, England played host to the two top teams in the world this summer mm. um, and weren't blown away. You know, obviously in home conditions, I'd expect to be competitive against anyone. And to a certain extent, they were very much built on, of course, a couple of players. But I don't know. They'll have easier summers. Let's put it that way. And yeah. I mean, you know, as you, if you measure, if your kind of happiness is what like expectations versus reality, the expectations weren't that high. And the reality was they did probably match them yeah so although therefore- i think it's it, i think it's a bit it's harder to be forgiving because of silverwood's comments at the beginning of the summer about how this was a warm-up for the ashes yeah i know i, I completely um, agree on that but you're right i mean these are these are the two best test teams in the world uh they're very good you know they hold their own in in pretty much any era yeah england have have lost or possibly lost both series um but they were competitive series I think actually the the fact there was no fifth test in the India series, as well as being just very disappointing, you know, it's just a big disappointment that that didn't happen because it, it was, you know, it was the morning of the game when it was called off. Um, it also makes it a little trickier to judge, a little tr- tricky to answer this question of of what kind of summer England have had because, you know, had they had that game gone ahead and they'd won it, a two all draw I think would have been a decent result against a very good team. And let's not forget that England have been without several of their best players this summer in Ben Stokes and Joffrey Archer, Stuart Broad and others. Um, if it had gone ahead and India won it and it had finished 3-1, then that would have been very disappointing and there would have been no kind of, uh, no, no whitewashing that. So yeah, it, it does mean it's harder to judge. I think the likelihood is they wouldn't have won it. I mean, obviously they, they won that, the third test of the series so comprehensively that it was it just made the whole thing it's just as with a lot of test cricket at the moment it's kind of hard to analyze because they went from being so outclassed to just totally dominant to being outclassed again and it you know the, it's very erratic the pendulum does swing around um, but you know i think the likelihood is they wouldn't have won that final game because india you've got to say on balance were the better side there I, I hope at least that there's a bit more realism about England now, both internally and externally, that 
that there's just a bit more understanding that you know they are some distance off being a world-class test team and and the two teams that visited the summer are world-class test teams and kind of showed that there is a bit of a gulf but yes yeah, so i think you know it, it's going to be it's going to go down as a disappointing summer but i'm with you that it's you know that 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 narrative can be a little bit overdone because they did it wasn't totally one-sided and it could have been uh looking at the summer on paper beforehand i, I was i was fearful that it was going to be worse than it was i think yeah definitely and you know obviously joe roots runs played a big part in the year and i mean if you took joe root out of the situation you know it would be it would have been a pretty depressing time sure um oh yeah and there's loads loads of problems yeah, and loads the, of work to do but overall i think it was yeah it was, it was such a shame that we didn't get a fifth test because it was it was a pretty damn good series and mm. there were it was you know it come to the ball pretty nicely there was some seriously uh seriously good performances um you know a couple of new well certainly in ollie robinson's case you know someone who made a real impact the continuing narrative of hasi Bamid, um you know who started to 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 find his feet in the summer yeah obviously the carousel of of classic names that were sort of wheeled in and out again bearstow moeen who has stepped away from test cricket today yeah, I don't think England. I don't think we necessarily moved in a great direction this summer, but it was fun. It was it was enjoyable, and that was that's something at least. I mean, you know, go back to the New Zealand series, maybe less fun, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Overall, you know, I came out of the summer feeling all right about it. It's just unbelievably hey. noisy outside your house. Um, yes, true. I, I mean, yeah, definitely bright spots for sure. Robinson looks the real deal, doesn't he? He he backed up that uh, debut, uh, that that brilliant debut against New Zealand. Twenty-one wickets at twenty-one point three in this series, I think. Yeah, has sort of made himself first choice, even when you know, even when when everyone is available, which is quite impressive when you consider, you know, that he will have to displace one of Anderson, Broad, Wood, Archer, Wokes. But I, you know, I just don't see how he can leave him out now. Be fascinating to see how he fares in Australia, if indeed. The, the series goes ahead and he chooses to travel. Um, you know, I think that could be really interesting. Uh, Hasib Hamid, you mentioned, it was uh, just great to see him back after a very difficult few years for him. I mean, he only averaged 28 across the series. So, you know, let's maybe not get too excited, yeah. but it, he played a couple of uh, a, a very handy innings, a couple of, what, 70s, 80s. David Milan coming in as well. I was really pleased to see him back. I always thought it was... Uh, harsh and and unfortunate that he was binned in 2017 because he did get that 100 in Perth and looked like a good test player and then had a bit of a dip of form and then has not been seen since but uh, you know I think he is he is a test match player for me so it's just beginning to feel like maybe the makings of a of a half decent test batting lineup there long way to go and you know overall the numbers don't look that good across the series but it just it's just starting to feel a little bit brighter for the batting which has obviously been the problem for such a long time you mentioned uh we can talk about india in a sec but you you mentioned moeen has uh, announced his retirement today what would you say about moeen's career we could probably make a nice point? montage of uh <laughs> of your your punditry about moeen yeah look definitely someone who's had a massive impact doesn't he possibly the idea that he's underappreciated has almost become 
Mm. It's like overexposed now. Like that's all anyone says about him. Like I think he is well appreciated and he's 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 done some remarkable things and yeah 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 he's definitely he's given a lot of people a lot of joy in 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 certain aspects of his game so um yeah yeah maybe hasn't always impressed you <laughs> <laughs> which is really which the, is the barometer yeah um which is the real yardstick isn't it but uh, yeah as i say i, I should the, the idea that he's underappreciated i think you know you, you just see what you, know, mm. you see the reaction today and i think you know it sort of you know it, it's it's a just response i think because he has yeah he's done, a, he's done a lot yeah he's a curious case for me i i mean obviously he's he seems like a lovely guy and you know got nothing but kind of uh warm feelings towards him as an individual but yeah, I do. I, I've got to say, I do find the 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 kind of outpouring of positivity slightly perplexing, and I, I think I just, I just somehow it's, I must have missed a memo or something, or missed a, <laughs> must have fallen asleep and missed a few a couple of years of Test cricket. I've just never quite got Moeen. I've never, which is maybe harsh, but he's just seemed like he's not quite good enough with either bat or ball for me. And his numbers are not that impressive. Like, I, he's he's clear, like he's very capable cricketer. I think part of it is that he does look a million dollars when he's batting well. But actually, he's just if he has produced, it's been very much in patches. He's not been consistent. I think it's the fact that he's been England's frontline spinner, and when you only have one spinner in a team, it's very frustrating. If it's when it's someone like my, you know, and if he's not having a good day, there's kind of nowhere to hide and which there might be if it was a seam or a seam bowling all-rounder where you just wouldn't bowl him. That hasn't always been an option. So, And it's not really his fault and he's been shunted around the order. So this is nothing against him personally. I just find it surprising, A, that he continued to be picked for such a long time and B, that yeah, that, that a lot of people do rate him so highly. And I've seen a few people saying things along the lines of, you know, he's my favourite cricketer ever and stuff. And I just think like, really, for me, he's kind of, he's going to go down in the same bracket as like Craig White. And, you know, it's like... a decent all-rounder who just never just couldn't quite cut it in test cricket I'm, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who <laughs> take you up on that i didn't like yeah. i know yeah i know at least one of the you know one um decent friend who likes cricket and would say that i think you know moeen is like the sort of the number one mm. if you know moeen's batting then they'll they'll put it on yeah um or they'll be like glued to it maybe he's probably slightly unfortunate just from the era he's played in that england just haven't been that good yeah maybe. like uh you know among if he was the the, the the kind of or if he'd produced those numbers amongst a slightly better team or a more consistent team and had been more consistently selected and he ended up where he played like 64 tests in the end yeah um perhaps he's just been a touch unfortunate in that sense or or you know or just the cards the way the cards have fallen it's just not yeah i think that's fair and he's played in the same era as ben stokes you know if if he if stokes wasn't there and moeen had been england's all-rounder and batted at six, and maybe there'd been another spinner playing a lot of the time as well. You know, that makes much more sense to me. But him batting at eight just never is like, what is his role here? And then he's the one and only spinner and isn't really, for me, was never really quite good enough to hold that down. And a lot of the time, there was no one better. Yeah. And, and, it, it, yeah. If it, like, so someone, like, if, again, if he'd been a seam bowling around, someone like Shane Watson, you know, his bowling is a bonus, isn't it? And he, you know, and he'd pick up wickets and, but, if Shane Watson had been required to open the bowling for Australia, you'd say, well, actually, he's not good enough to open the bowling. And that's kind of how I felt about Moe. He's like, he's a good bowler, but he shouldn't be, you shouldn't be relying on him. 
And lot, lots been made as well, you know, today of his, you know, him finishing his England, or at the moment being England's third highest wicket-taking spinner behind Swan and Underwood. Mm. But but then it's just the case, it's just the fact that England haven't got or haven't ever really had many great spinners, yeah. certainly in the kind of the era of, you know, where you're racking up a lot of test matches. Um, in the modern era, yeah, the, he probably is second best spinner after Graham Swan, isn't he? So... Uh, I don't know if that's, yeah. that's necessarily like a definitive stat that will, you know, people could rest their yeah, case. It's on. a relatively low bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not. I don't want to overstate this case. Like, I'm not saying he was a waste of space or anything, but he just, he, it's just a fairly underwhelming cricketer. I've never been massively whelmed by Moe, but as I say, maybe I just obviously don't get it because because clearly most most people feel differently. Well, just a quick word on India before we wrap up. Much like the series in India earlier this year, I'd say they managed to be the better side without actually playing that well over the course of the series. I don't know if that's fair to say. Certainly in the batting, uh, Pajara, Kohli, especially Ajinka Rahani, all really struggling, as they did in India earlier this year. Jasprit Bumrah was brilliant, but otherwise the bowlers you know, were good, but, but didn't kind of pull up any trees. So I don't know. What do you think, Tone? Does that... Given that they, you know, after four tests, the two one up. Do you, I don't want to say win this. They won the series because it's not finished yet. But given that they were the, the, you know, that they've sort of left England on top, <laughs> does that make you question how good a side they actually are, or is it ominous to think about how good they will be when they actually get it together? When Kohli starts scoring runs, they've beaten England comfortably home and away, despite not playing that well yeah not playing to their potential yeah i mean i, I suppose you, you, england would always hope to be in the in the conversation at home wouldn't they so the way it panned out you know there was there was some you know some pretty brilliant moments you know that their victory on the last um in that last session of the test at the oval yeah that was that was that was pretty uh pretty exciting stuff and or you know as much as an england fan you were sort of with gritted teeth you know enjoying those scenes if you like or enjoying that you know an exciting end to a test match i mean yeah overall i think that yeah i think they're they're on the they're on the right path aren't they for sure you know you'd expect them to be though given the in our lifetime or certainly you know in the last 20 years the the powerhouse that indian cricket has become um they you know they should be amongst the best teams amongst the top two or three in every format forever now or yeah. at least yeah going forward so it'll be yeah i don't think it'll be that long if it isn't already that it's impressive if england beat india at home mm. you know interesting when, when england would beat you know when england won in 2005 in the ashes it was against a great australian team mm. you know that was a, a gargantuan effort um yeah. possibly the next time india come to to england you know and, and if england were to win you know it, it might be considered in the same arena yeah that's an interesting point yeah, no one in 2005 went, yeah, but England are at home. So it's, it was just understood that that Australia team was so good and so much better that home conditions were kind of irrelevant or at least overridden. So, yeah, yeah interesting point. Yeah, that's good. That's the first time you said that for a while. <laughs> um, right. I, I've got more to say about this series, but I think we're going to have to bring it to an end there, Tone. <laughs> shouldn't leave it so long between doing... <laughs> Doing we've got a lot at least we can just we've got at least we've got quite a few conversation topics to sort of dip into now yes as we go forward 
We're going to win. We'll, ah, you know, we'll do our World Test Championship final review <laughs> in the next episode. Yeah. I'm already starting to think about our tea room episode this year, our Christmas tea room episode. That's the essential list. What team are we going to pick there? That'll probably be the next <laughs> the next episode, uh, given our recent schedule. But anyway, have you enjoyed this one? Yeah, it's been good. Good to be back. We should really apologise for the, the fairly criminal lack of podcasts over the summer. I'm sure people were pretty upset about it. Yeah. Refreshing their podcast app every couple <laughs> of minutes. Um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fairly boring reasons, isn't it? You were away for a bit. I was away for a bit. Just work, two-year-olds. Yeah. Just a lot going on. Yeah. Busy old lives, eh? It's been, you know, there's a, there's a, like a, there's an ac- old axiom tone. I don't know if you've heard this, that you can only, you can only be good at two out of three things out of work, family, and friends. Mm. And I think you can add podcast in there yeah, as a fourth. Yeah, yeah. Can... <laughs> and like back in the day, it was very much friends and podcast. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, work and family have kind of clawed their way well, up the pecking order a little bit. Yeah, I think people have been knocking off stars off the uh, iTunes reviews for you. Blaming you, I think. <laughs> Getting your priorities wrong. For having a child. You're, yeah, you are, you're the, the Tom Harrison of... Uh, of the World Creature Show, I think. Just ruin everything. Yeah, just in it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know we say this all the time, but I am confident that it is going to get easier this winter. It's also, like, weirdly, kind of counterintuitive. I now find it easier to watch cricket in the winter as well because cricket, in the, certainly test cricket in the summer, I'm just at work for all of it, it seems. Uh, whereas in the winter, at least I might be able to watch some, you know, with my breakfast. Or it just, I don't know, it's somehow easier. So less so in Australia, actually, especially now having a two-year-old, the thought of watching through the night. I only need a lot of cereal to get through yeah, that. Yeah, bucket loads. I mean, yeah, when you, look, when you think back to the uh, the heady days of our second lockdown back in uh, in February, watching the cricket at home on Channel 4, yeah. Watching anything get turned over. Those <laughs> are the days. Great days. Yeah. Great days. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, yes. Uh, we, well, we're going to be back to do a preview of the, I was going to say World T20, Twee20 World Cup. The Twee20 World Cup. When does that start? Hang on. Middle of October, I think. 17th of October. So we are talking about just under three weeks. Okay, so we'll be back before then to uh, do a full preview of that. That's quite exciting. I mean, it's five and a half years since the last one, Tone. No, I'm buzzing for it's, it. It's my favourite sure. cricket tournament. Yeah, I think so. So that's something to look forward to. In the meantime, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, then do get more involved on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm sure you can find us on there. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, then do write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. Podcasts are... You know, becoming quite big, aren't they, Tony? Have you noticed yeah. this? We got in on the ground floor, and, and we're still and there. there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, mm. yeah, it's more fun on the ground floor. I think it's all it's more like, real. It's more like you know, we missed the trick because what you need, I think, is what I've discovered. What you need for a successful podcast is like a A list Hollywood celebrity. So, if we we should have invited like Jason Bateman or Will Arnett or someone to join us back in two thousand eight when we started this. I don't know why we didn't think of that. No, it's true. So what you're saying is like, uh, you know, that Peter Crouch podcast, exactly. whatever. It's Peter Crouch and a couple of other guys from BBC. Oh, I mm. think I could name if I put a gun to my head, but yeah, 
you know four dice yeah don't know the other one um yeah and then yeah the tail enders with james mm. addison that guy from radio one yeah and that other guy uh, the other guy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, so you're suggesting that we rebrand this that moeen ali show <laughs> my, my, could we i'm sure we could find somewhat yeah well, let's see what we can come up with for next week for next week <laughs> Yeah, oh, we can, well, we can rope in. have we tried the Hollywood A-list? That's what I'm yeah. wondering. We we made some calls. Could replace you with Vinnie like Jones, maybe Sean Penn or someone. A Bayfield Jones combo would be uh, would be a dynamic, wouldn't it? It would be a, an unusual dynamic. I feel like have I have I been too negative in this episode, Tane? I feel like I've basically just come on and well, it's been worth away, hasn't talked it? about all the cricket and all the cricketers I don't like. Yeah. Yeah, you basically, I don't really care about cricket anymore. <laughs> Didn't watch any of it. Yeah. Don't like any of the, any of the people involved. Yeah. Um, well, I'll be, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be the positive side of this as we, as we go into the, the depths of winter. Yeah. Before we go, I was going to give you my, my stats from this summer. Excited to hear I played them. more cricket this summer than I have done in about five years, I reckon. Maybe five, no, probably more, probably 10 years, probably since we played quite a lot yeah. that year that, that year where we played <laughs> more than you played this summer but anyway I had a net before the start of the season I was feeling really good going into it um, uh, ended up playing seven matches which that I thought was quite, quite a good return yeah uh, batted six times I think you say six pools <laughs> yeah averaged 8.67 that's pretty good you're quite impressed with yeah uh, 52 runs in total no fours one six <laughs> high score of 20 strike weight of 89.66 do what really annoys me about cricket about batting at the moment or for me at the moment or this summer is just like i just can't middle it i think it's the bat i think probably the bat. i need to get a yeah, huge bat it's probably the bat just, I, I, you know i wasn't really getting out I was, well, I was facing balls you know but i just couldn't get i just couldn't get it away yeah it was really annoying. So, so that sounds like to, the bat. Yeah, mate. something to work on for next summer. So if you want to buy me, if you yeah, if you think about birthday, Christmas presents, yeah, you know, a nice big bat. You shouldn't be using that size four. <laughs> that's I keep telling you. Yeah, that's that's you the balsa wood bat. That's your uh, that's your first mistake. Um, yeah, but overall, good summer. I think we won once when I was there. <laughs> it's great summer. Yeah, really good summer. So anyway, if you fancy playing next year, you know, I know you've, you know, you've got a bit of time on your hands. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, get involved. Cool. All right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, stay in school, everyone. Uh, we'll be back at some point. Until then, bye-bye for now. Cheers. Can smell your fear. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.